And good afternoon, GRN listeners across the South and Central Texas listening area. This is your live and local program. This is In His Vineyard. I'm Gordy Zambrano, your general manager for the Guadalupe Radio Network South and Central Texas listening area. You can hear this program every Monday at noon right here on your local GRN station, online at grnonline.com or on the free Guadalupe Radio Network app. We're also streaming this program live on Facebook. If you're part of our GRN South and Central Texas Facebook group, be sure to join us there. Thank you to everyone tuning in from Marble Falls, Fredericksburg, Kerrville, Uvalde, and right here in good old San Antonio. We're grateful you've decided to spend this hour joining us and getting caught up on all things Catholic in South and Central Texas. On this program, we try to bring you a variety of informative discussions highlighting different people, ministries, and events going on in the Archdiocese of San Antonio and parts of the Diocese of Austin. On today's program, and I'm excited about this one, is uh, I'll be talking with Father John Jenkins and also Johanna Garcia. They are from Our Lady of the Atonement Catholic Church. And we're also going to be talking about the Atonement Catholic Academy. So it's a two-part, uh, two-fold, uh, uh, surprise today with, you know, Father being here and Johanna. We're going to be talking about everything Our Lady of the Atonement and the Academy. So before we begin those conversations, let's get today's program started the way we should do all things. And that's in prayer. And remember, as we pray, ask the Lord to make his will known to you and for the grace to accomplish his will in loving obedience. Welcome to the program, Father Jenkins. Could you, would you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hasten, O Lord, the coming of your kingdom. And as you draw near to us, may we draw near to you. May you bring our, our minds, our ears, and our hearts to be open to the gift you have for us today, that we may find it may take seed in our souls and flourish. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you very much, Father, for that uh, beautiful prayer. And I want to go ahead and, and start this program off by recapping really the last two weeks. It's been two weeks since uh, I've been on the air, and a lot has gone on. A lot has happened in the past two weeks. We had our Guadalupe Radio Network share which uh, it was uh, our, our Christmas-themed share Joy to the World. It was a huge success, and we want to thank everybody who called in, pledged, contributed, whether it was a one-time or a monthly, we are so appreciative to all of you doing that and keeping Catholic Radio on the air. We're blessed because of you, and we're here because of you, and we thank also our volunteers that came in and gave their time, their talent, their treasure, and got to speak with everybody who called in a pledge. And I'll tell you what, some of the intentions were very heartfelt, and uh, we carry those intentions with us uh, as we pray every day at 3 o'clock, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So thank you, everybody who um, who supported us during share We are appreciative to you. Advent is in full swing. Advent is here. It began Sunday, December 3rd. And as we anticipate the birth of Jesus, the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus. Adventus, I like that word, which means coming or arrival. I'm sure Father is going to talk a lot about Advent. We're going to, we're going to touch on that. And a reminder to our listeners to pray for our vocations, our priests, our deacons, our seminarians, our nuns and sisters. And I'm asking, we're asking here at the Guadalupe Radio Network to devote one hour of adoration at your parish during your 
you know, if you if you're in charge of adoration at your parish, we'd like you to incorporate or uh, put in one hour for, of course, our vocations. We're also praying for our Archbishop, His Excellency Gustavo Sierra, and Bishop Yannick and Bishop Boulet. And we want to make sure that we we carry them in our prayers each and every day, but especially during adoration. And uh, also want to remind everybody that Retreat to Bethlehem at Sanctus Ranch is, uh, well, they had the first one last Friday and Saturday, but December 15th and 16th, this Friday and Saturday, they're also having Retreat to Bethlehem. So you want to go to www.2bethlehem.org to buy your tickets. And those who attended last Friday and Saturday, from what I hear, uh, just really enjoyed it. So be sure to get your tickets. Um, and also, you know, I want to bring this up because this is a big deal. Last Friday, and Father, you know, this was the uh, Solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which uh, we were talking about, which I'm sure we can expound on that a little bit more. And uh, I just want to mention one other thing. We've got our Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle. It's just around the corner. And we're raffling off a 2024 Mercedes-Benz GLB 250. It is a very nice, very beautiful uh, vehicle. Visit grnonline.com forward slash raffle for more information. And Father, this is a good segue. Christmas Bazaar and third annual chili cook-off is this Saturday at the at Our Lady of the Atonement. And it's from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'm sure you're going to be out there. Want to encourage everybody to go to www.ourladyoftheatonement.org. Welcome to the program, Father. I'm sorry my intro took so long, but we haven't been on the air for two weeks, so I had a lot to catch up on. Welcome. Absolutely. Pleased to be here. Glad to be part of your program. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, and we got Johanna here in the wings also. Both of you, if y'all can, take a few minutes to tell us about yourself and what you do at the uh, Our Lady of the Atonement. I'll try to keep it brief for you because I want to honor your time, but I, because <laughs> I find myself kind of boring sometimes. Uh, but it, nonetheless, I guess I am kind of unique uh, in the fact that I'm one of the few married priests in the American church. There's only 200 of us total, which is a third of 1%. Uh, people say to me all the time, I think it's great that the church is letting these priests get married, and that's not what's happening. What is happening is that <laughs> yeah. men who were married, uh, Anglican, Episcopal, Lutheran, Methodist, and other traditions who have come into the Catholic faith to live their priesthood out, uh, have not been told, now get rid of the wife and kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would keep hope those. not. <laughs> keep those. Right. Uh, so it's a kind of a double vocation. We have, uh, people ask me how many children I have. I say 1,600, uh, although <laughs> yeah. I have three that I have to feed. That makes sense. Uh, so that's part of yeah. my vocation. Yeah. Uh, the Ordinariate has been in existence uh, for about 10, 12 years now, where we've been it was meant to be a home for whole parishes could come into the church. Uh, the pastoral provision has been around since uh, the early 80s where the church wanted to let, again, at the time, there was some turmoil in the Episcopal Church to let the uh, some priests live out their priesthood in the Catholic faith. We were the first parish to come into that. Right. Uh, Father Phillips, who was a founding pastor of our parish, was the first to do this uh, back in 1983. So we've been at it for 40 years. Uh, 40 years wow. has been going on. But the ordinariate for whole parishes coming in has only been the last 12 years or so. Right. And uh, we got our bishop in 2016. So we've, we've been very thankful to have Bishop Stephen Lopes, who is a marvelous bishop. Right. Uh, we are non-geographical, so we aren't like a normal geographical diocese where we have boundaries. We're, we're all in North America. Gotcha. So we have parishes all over the country. Uh, but we also, uh, the word ordinariate is usually meant to describe like a monastery mm-hmm. where you have your own uh, jurisdiction. You can ordain your own people. Right. Uh, you can elevate your own vocations. And yet we're, we function very much like a diocese, but we don't really have geographical boundaries. So when I first met Archbishop Gustavo, I asked him the one question, which is, how can I help you serve the people of San Antonio? 
and we've been friends ever since. So I actually awesome. have I have faculties in the archdiocese. Yeah, I, I attend the, and can celebrate at the funerals of our people whose parents may attend a different parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a number of things like that. So we get along great. We serve together well. Right. Uh, so that's that's kind of who we are. Uh, we are a little different. Uh, our liturgy is the second now the second ever uh, Western Latin Rite in the Church. You know, for years you had just the Latin Rite in the mm-hmm. West, and then you had the Eastern Rites where there's 23 different. Uh, uh, jurisdictions of that, so you might have right. be Byzantine or Coptic or Syrian, or uh, we are now the second Latin rite in the church. So our liturgy is a little bit different. Um, we have uh, some of the elements of the uh, Anglican heritage which we hold on to, which are quite beautiful, uh, and yet we also the, the canon, the mass is the Roman canon, like you would have in the normal uh, right. sort of right. Uh, so it's very familiar to us, but a little, a little different. So people come over and find this too. I, a few of these words are a little different. <laughs> you know, we say these and thou's instead of yous and yours and that uh-huh. sort of thing, but otherwise. Uh, the whole goal is for us to uh, elevate the Lord Jesus. So you're led by a bishop who is appointed by the Pope. Correct. Right? And so it was, I want to go into, you know, pers- your your title is Personal Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter. And uh, you're equivalent to a diocese. Correct. And uh, it was the Vatican, I guess, in 2012 approved or created. Is Pope that correct? Pope Benedict XVI uh, with uh, this encyclical Anglican Orm Chetibus created uh, the ordinary. The ordinary. Of course, it's from the minute he says it till the time it actually takes <laughs> formation, because it takes a while to get men ordained. And right. Uh, it takes a couple of years for all that to for all it to shake out. And yet, so yes, we've been around for a little over a decade now, uh, doing these things. And then all the parishes that had been the pastoral provision from those forty years ago when we first started this right. were all folded into that. So we have parishes all over North America that have been uh, folded into the ordinary its jurisdiction. And there's only three in the world. Correct. It's us, England, and Australia. Right, and, and we have we have as well uh, Canada, so we North America. We, we technically have Mexico as well, but there's not that many Anglican churches in Mexico. Right, right. Yeah, it was funny you touched on this uh, at the beginning. You said you know you were married and you've got three kids and sixteen hundred other kids. But when I told my sisters who are Catholic about you know you coming on the show, and when I said yeah, Father John Jenkins, he's coming on the show. It's going to be awesome, and I can't wait to talk to him about uh, you know being a married priest. And they were like, huh? <laughs> wait a minute, what? And so, you know, you mentioned that right from the get-go, but I think a lot of listeners out there would be very interested in, in you know, how that works and how, how you, your journey, I guess, your journey oh, to yes. come into the church. Well, I wish how it works. I wish I did it better. It's also <laughs> honoring time commitments in the order I receive them, so I try to honor family things. But at the same time, we often, you know, my kids are in CYO, but we don't, but the games are all while I'm in confession. Yeah. So I miss most of the games because I have a prior obligation. Right. Uh, but I also try to make family things important to me. Uh, I try to work if I can, you know, divide the day into three parts, work, you know, morning, afternoon, or night and do two of those. I sometimes succeed at that. <laughs> Most times I work in all three. Yeah. Uh, so that's how it goes. Um, it's a great gift to us. I mean, my family's, my, my wife, Claire, loves the Catholic faith. Uh, she came she came in with me. We're both received into the uh, Catholic faith in Atlanta by right. Wilton Gregory, who's now Cardinal. Uh, he confirmed both of us and brought us into the church. Nice. My boys have known nothing other than the Catholic Church in their lifetime, so that's all they've known. Right. Uh, so then they're also in our academy. Uh, they're being edified by the academy, two of them. One of them's a year old, so he's a little bit young to get into the academy yet. Uh, he's just a one-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that goes. Our, our journey, I, I grew up, uh, I was born in the 70s. I grew up uh, working in church camps in my high school to college years. Right. And 97, uh, right after I finished high school in 96, was when the catechism came out. And so all the... The counselors who a lot of my friends were going to Jesuit high schools, even though they were Episcopal priest sons, you know, uh, they were going to these Jesuit schools. So we decided, you know, for fun, let's read the catechism during the day and we discuss it under the stars at night. 
Oh, nice. And so you do that for three years, you get pretty sharp on the catechism. Uh, (laughs) So when I went to seminary, I actually found seminary to be fairly easy because I'd been drilled on the catechism, which was fairly new right then. So in one sense, I found that I was already living a fairly Catholic faith in my mind. Sure. And yet it took me the time to realize when I was in the Anglican world how much one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. One of these things is very much not like the other. <laughs> and so you start to wonder, is it is it me? Yeah. And so I started to realize I needed I was uh, the right plant potted potted in the wrong pot. Oh wow. And so that for me was so I don't I don't often have I think people want to hear me say, you know, I came home to Mother Church. I felt like I, my mind and my heart, my prayers, I was already there. It just I wasn't right. really in the right in the right pot, right? And now, of course, I am. So we're, it's 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 free, it's good to be free of that and not have to say, well, yeah, we're Episcopal, but not one of those. Or <laughs> you know, yeah. it, or you can say I'm Catholic, and yeah, there are those Catholics who are are not like those Catholics, but there there's a much right. smaller number, <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah, I have a great affinity for it. Um, it was a very switch, smooth transition for me. Uh, the, the men who <laughs> I had to go through RCA too, and so oh wow, but I was teaching the deacon school in Atlanta at the time because mm-hmm. they I taught scripture and they didn't have people who were well adept to teaching the prophets and synoptic gospels and uh, Johanna in literature. So I was teaching there and uh, my teachers were my students and they're like, why, why are we teaching you anything? <laughs> well, yeah. because I always have more to learn. <clears throat> right. I'm a perennial student, always have more to learn. If nothing else, how the, how the process goes, how do people come into the faith? What are the good tools? Sure. Yeah, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly of it? So I, I'm thankful for that time yeah. uh, and for the fraternity of those men that I trained in Atlanta. Uh, wow. And you wrote a book, which I want to talk about as well. And Johanna, we're going to get to you, I promise. But I want to talk about your book because, uh, and you know, it's called The Modern Com- Confessional. It's on Amazon.com. You can go buy it on Amazon. Uh, but tell us a little bit about the book, how you came up with, uh, you know, I guess the, uh, the subject and what, what sure, led sure. you that way. Well, back in my Anglican days, uh, I was around a very Catholic-minded clergy who did hear confessions. Most Anglicans don't hear confessions. And so I saw the great richness of it and the, the gift of it even back then. And we were reading the catechism. And said, you know, of course, you need to go to confession. And we're like, well, where do we go? These churches don't even have a booth. <laughs> you know, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> yeah. Of my diocese where we had 53 parishes, only yeah. three of them even had a booth. Wow. Uh, and so I started looking into the why of that. Because I, I wrote my – while I was an Anglican priest, I studied uh, ascetical theology. As, uh, it was a doctor of ministry program. Okay. And so in the course of that, I decided to focus on confession, saying, what's wrong with this? Why isn't this being used? What's, where did it all go bad? And so I wrote a thesis, which was the history of atonement from the Bible to now. How, do, how have we made peace with God? How do right. we come to be one with God? But then also how do we translate that out to other people? And, and, what, and how has it shifted over the years, even from Scripture till, you know through history, right. through the Reformation? Now, the Reformation, I show what everyone did, but then I, I broke off and went down an Anglican tangent because that was my focus at the time. Right. Uh, when I went to go defend the thesis, um, I was nervous about it because I hadn't defended it yet, and I was graduating two days later. Oh, wow. And usually they give it back to you several times. <laughs> yeah. and like, I was a little nervous. And they said, sit down, you're a doctor. We love this. We want to make this into a textbook. Wow. So you've done the right thing, but now add, take off the focus group studies I did with asking people, what is your experience of confession? What do you like? What's, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly of it? Right. I was able to break that off and then add in a how-to chapter. So how do we do it better? And so I did develop the book, which it, it became a textbook for a brief while. Uh, it makes me tens of dollars a year. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly a, a right. bestseller. Uh, right. And I need to make a Catholic edition to this to, to really focus on the Catholic tradition. Uh, yeah. So the, the edition you're getting will still be the one I wrote back when I was an Anglican priest, but it's called The Modern Confessional. Yeah, uh, yeah it is available on Amazon, but I, I don't get a lot of money off it. But it is uh, sort of, it's where I really learned how to do it well. Yeah, I find a lot of confessors, you sometimes wonder if they're even hearing what you're saying, you know. 
they say, I, you know, I killed my mother and I stole my neighbor's cat and oh, I goodness. did all these things. And they're like, uh, three hard fathers, two Hail Marys, go in peace. And you're like, did <laughs> you're you like, hear are you serious? What I just said. <laughs> yeah. And so I've learned in my, the way I handle my confessional is I often give virtues as penances to try to get them back on the right track. Right. You know, hear what they all have to say, get them back in the right direction and give them that virtue to pray for to, to pursue that. And I know Monsignor Pope does the same thing. We, yeah. We're friends and we, we've talked about those things. Uh, wow. and, and he, when he presented to the clergy of our diocese last October, he said the same thing, you know, give, you can do those Our Father's Hail Marys and people can pray them. Yeah. But often you find sometimes you give someone a penance, they don't even know the Our Father. They don't know the Hail Mary. Wow. It's been 30 years since I've made my confession and they, they go, what are they to do? Where are they going to find this? It's not written in the pew. Yeah. And so you kind of have to give them something they can do in the building before they leave. Immediately, yeah. That is so <laughs> graciously easy right. to show how much the grace of God and the mercy of God has been so freely given. Uh, so that's, that's the goal and really that's a shortcut of the book there. One of the things I hear, you know, uh, many say, and, you know, this is talking to friends and family is, you know, I'm running out of things to confess. I mean, you know, I don't, I live a good life and, you know, I live a clean life, but I'm running out of things. So what do I say when I go in there? Because I think I'm supposed to go to confession once every, once a month. I I don't know what the rule is, but, uh, you know, these are friends talking. And I'm like, I think if you just go in there and let your heart speak, you know, I think you'll be all right, but you're not going to tell a priest anything that they have never heard. Right. Yeah. And we're not shocked by those things. Yeah. Priests are not shocked. So, uh, you know. Those are heavy for the penitent because they're carrying the weight of their faith. And that's one thing that came out in my studies. All the people said, you know, it feels so heavy going in. It feels like the weight of the world off me when I go out. Yeah. Well, that's for you because it's your sin. Yeah. Uh, for the confessor, quite frankly, it's more often boring. <laughs> we hear the same things over <laughs> and over again, but we're so happy to free you of it. Yeah. That's the gift. And so sometimes you hear people who they almost like they're going to keep holding it. You can almost hear through the screen, right? The like the chain they want to keep holding, or the baggage they want to take with them, right? And I think one of the greatest gifts in the church is to realize. Some people, in my mind, bring the baggage to the church, set it outside the front door, and said, "I'll I'll see you on the way out." And they carry it off, and they it. carry and, it. And off. They, they come into church, get through the service. We can all survive a mass. You know, sometimes yeah. we have to talk about it that way. <laughs> but. What's the goodness of taking that baggage back with you? Why not leave it there yeah. and be free of it in the next week? So th- those, those are the pieces that sometimes come into that. Yeah. I love it. And, uh, you know, we're talking about Our Lady of the Atonement. And, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> I found very cool about your your church, your parish, is the enormity of it. It is humongous. And I know it's t- – y- y'all are going on with your 40th anniversary. Right. And so – it is in the Hills and Dales community, which I was telling you before the show that I grew up hanging out out there. I didn't know there was a small church in 83 at that time, but now it is just incredible. And we're going to talk about the school and <clears throat> I want to bring Johanna in here because she's kind of like waiting her turn. But, um, you know, talk about the school, I guess, and, and talk about the church and how it ties in. I mean, Either one of you, but Johanna, I want to introduce you here and get you on camera. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Gordy. I'm Johanna Garcia. I've been in San Antonio for about seven and a half years. My husband and I moved here with our children, and we've had two additional children after moving here. Uh-huh. Uh, we've been a member of the Atonement Church from that set, probably. Um, and we have eight children. And that is why education and classical education um, rooted in the truth of Christ is very important to us. And I'm grateful to work in the admissions and development for the Atomic Catholic Academy. Wow. And you you were mentioning to me before we got on the air is that you've got admissions coming or you're accepting 
uh, applications, right? Yes, we are currently uh, in taking applications for enrollment for the 24-25 school year. And uh, we will actually uh, hand out tours, which you can find on our website at the Atonement Catholic, or, I'm sorry, the atonementacademy.org. Um, you can schedule a tour there. And uh, we'll, we have applications open right now, and then we will start the enrollment process um, in the end of January. And do you have to be Catholic to go to the no, Atonement Academy? No, in fact, that is one of the beautiful things about our academy. Uh, we have many families who are just looking for solid classical education, right. which is only reached its fullness through the truth of Christ. And in fact, we have many converts. So we have a lot of families who come in. Um, we actually have a, a really pretty story I can tell you later um, about some of our families and the conversion. I love convert stories. I love them. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's just a testament to the richness of our faith, right? And also the consistency of our education. And you go from kinder through twelfth. We actually have pre K four, pre K four, wow, all the way through twelfth. And okay. we're the only Catholic school in San Antonio that is a full pre-K 4 through 12 classical school. Right. And uh, we also are at the heart of our school is the Mass. And we're the only school in the entire city that has Mass every single day wow. for all of our students, including regularly scheduled opportunities by grade level for them to attend confession. Right. And I know, uh, Father, we were talking about this, you know, your current enrollment and uh, maybe the past two years the students who have received scholarships and the amounts of those scholarships. And tell us a little bit about that because I know you, you glow when you talk about oh, it. Oh, thanks. It's, it's marvelous. It makes me proud of the kids because they're the one doing the work. You know? yeah, yeah. A number of our families, uh, we, our, our average SAT score has been in the 1300s, 1338. I think it was our last average. Wow. Answer. That's the average. That's not the highest or just the best kid we have. We have, we have, like we have one that aced it. Uh, oh, gosh. But we have had a tremendous SAT scores amongst our graduating seniors. Uh, yeah, the, the story I was telling Gordy was before uh, last couple of years. I keep talking to our valedictorians and they're saying, "Where are you going to go? I, I, I want to pray for them. Where that's their vocation? Yeah. Where they're going to go to school?" And one of them I'd mentioned uh, she, she was going to go to UD, and I was like, "And she said from day one she's going to UD." But then throughout University the year, of Dallas, yeah, University of Dallas, because yeah. uh, like they have a great uh, Cistercian community there. They also are a great pre med school. Right. Uh, this family is full of doctors. They want their kid to get the best education, so they go to UD. Uh, and so I'd, but I kept seeing these flyers and Facebook updates going out uh, before I was president of the school. I was the, the parochial vicar of the, of the parish. So I didn't have as much of a hand in it at the time. Right. Although being, I was a chaplain to the school. But I kept seeing a full ride to TCU, full ride to Arizona State, full ride to wherever else. Wow. And I finally pulled her inside and said, why did you, oh, you know, where are you going? Are you still going to go to UD? She goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to UD. I said, then why did you apply to all these other schools? And she says, I didn't. Wow. They offered her a full ride based on her test scores alone. Yeah, and so for a number of our families, especially our last few little classes, we've had some just really bright kids coming out who have been with us for a long time. Right, uh, a full ride scholarship letter became junk mail to these people. I love when you say that. That is incredible. <laughs> to imagine that you have the problem that yeah. all of a sudden your, your kids are being offered so many full rides, you say, I'm just going to stop opening the letters. Yeah, uh, One of them did open the mall, and his total uh, two years ago was $680,000 in total scholarship funding offered. So wouldn't you rather have, as Whoa. a parent, the great gift of you pay for high school so you don't have to pay for college? Yeah, you know, And to get scholarship via scholarship. I think I think we're sort of led to believe that maybe if we get to sports or maybe if we get into that one's usually it's a sports thing in Texas, especially being right. a big football state. You know, if I can only get my kid into volleyball or basketball or whatever, and they can that's how they're going to get to college. 
uh, I would challenge that thought to say sometimes you can also get there by your grades. Yeah. And we do that. Academics. And, and, you know, you scholarship via scholarship. Uh, and you know, to have the full ride and have your choice of schools, it was a marvelous, marvelous problem to have. And you were sharing some numbers with me, and I'm looking at them right now. This is just incredible. In comparison to other like schools, um, you guys are off the charts. I mean, the Atonement Academy is producing at a very high level uh, college students, which is incredible. What 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 are your stories, Johanna, about you know the uh, the students and and where they're going and what they're doing, and maybe you have some examples from the you know students that went to Atonement Academy and then graduated from UD and now they're doing something. Yes, we have uh, one family who the mom is still a teacher at our school. She teaches Spanish and Latin Uh and her son has gone on to be uh, very successful in the Dallas area and also promotes um, Catholic values in the work that he does. Uh, We have a a family that I spoke to uh, about a month ago and it it literally gave me chills when she told me the story. Uh, she has three sons in the school, and uh, she was said that they were at the dinner table one day and they were uh, praying for over their meal. And um, the one of the sons said to his dad, uh, "When are you going to be a Catholic?" And the mom looked at him and said, "Well, what do you think?" And um, the dad replied and looked at her and he said. Only if we can also talk to Father about getting our marriage blessed. And these boys really were, the the mother was communicating to me that the boys really felt that draw from being in the academy. And uh, to to know that we are an academy that provides authentic Catholic education uh, with the the pillars of sacred worship being primary— um, that it, it's it's very hard in Catholic education. Very often you see Catholic school where the the faith is emphasized and the academics are sacrificed, or the academics mm-hmm. are emphasized and the faith is uh, somewhat uh, sidelined. That's a shame. Yeah. And and it's it, it's a you know school has a very uh, difficult job of being very focused on the mission, and for us to be able to have such a strong mission that the potential is in fact. <laughs> the academics because of our faith. Right, right. And I love what you're saying, Father. You know, if, if you're coming to the Atonement Academy for sports because you want to go to A&M and play football, you might not want to go to the Atonement, right? I right, mean, yeah. Yeah, but if you're coming here you yeah, know, for academics. If you, want, if you want to play football at A&M, you know, we're probably not the school for you. But if you want your kid to run A&M, there you go. We I probably like are the school for you. <laughs> I love that. I love when you say that. So I know that, uh, you know, this first segment is uh, coming to uh, a end, and, and we're going to keep this discussion going because there's so much more that we need to talk about in regards to um, atonement, not just the, not just the, uh, the, the, the academy, but I want to talk more about, you know, the parish, the church and uh, your parishioners and, you know, how, Y'all have grown in leaps and bounds, and I want to learn more about that. But we'll also, you know, touch more base on the on the faculty over at the school and whatnot. So, but I know we're going to be coming up on a break, and we are. That music means we got to go to break. So we'll be coming back, listeners. Hang tight. We'll be right back.
Guadalupe Radio Network has a position open for an event coordinator. This position will be located in San Antonio, Texas. The GRN event coordinator has the goal to organize unforgettable events that are in line with the mission of the Guadalupe Radio Network's efforts of evangelization. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate dedicated to the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. We are dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. The GRN offers a competitive salary and an amazing benefits package. If you are an active, faithful Catholic and would like to explore a career with the Guadalupe Radio Network, submit your resume and a cover letter as to why you want to come work for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Send to careers at grnonline.com. Again, that's careers at grnonline.com. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Many parents are greatly concerned about the way that secular culture influences their children. But what's a parent to do? It's impossible for us to isolate our children from all outside influences. To inoculate their children against secular culture, Catholic parents need to create a family culture that is more dynamic and appealing than the culture that the world offers. Family culture is the unspoken system that binds your family together and communicates expectations, beliefs, and values more powerfully than any written word. It forms the way of life for your family. Parents need to be thoughtful and intentional about the culture they are stewarding within their home because those messages are being heard by all of your children all of the time. A strong, positive family culture is the secret weapon of Catholic parents because it will help children to recognize that the culture of the world is shallow and unsatisfying. For a free download on how to develop your own family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. And we are back. We're having a great conversation with Father John Jenkins and Johanna Garcia from Our Lady of the Atonement and the Atonement Catholic Academy. And we're going to continue those conversations. And uh, again, you're listening to the Guadalupe Radio Networks in his vineyard. I'm your host, Gordy Zambrano. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to join our Facebook group page at GRN South and Central Texas. And a reminder, if you have an event that we can help build awareness about, please reach out to me and join me on the show. Uh, we're going to next week, we're going to have one of our sponsors come on as, as well as, uh, Father Will from St. Mary Magdalene, which is going to be cool. And he's going to talk about the meaning of Christmas, which I think it's going to be very relevant since next week is, uh, I think we'll be a week away from Christmas. So, but I wanted you, Father, to touch on that. Um, but I know you wanted to talk more about the school, so well, we can I, talk about Advent for a moment. I think it'd let, be helpful to do let's that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, give us your take on Advent, you know, and and the season and and the reason for the season. Well, Advent, of course, is a, the time of preparation, right? Adventus meaning the coming, as you mentioned earlier yes. in the show. Uh, but it's the coming of what? You know, the coming of Jesus in the first coming and in his incarnation. Uh, the coming of Jesus at the end of time to judge the world, but also sort of the in-between of us coming to him and him coming to us. Oh, yeah. One of the beautiful moments of Revelation, people don't think of Revelation as a beautiful book, but it is. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. It's a beautiful vision of what God has for us. Is that, and you hear this phrase, you hear it at funerals. This is the almost the only time we read Revelation other than you know, leading up to I Christ the King say, or an yeah. Advent. Yeah. Is the dwelling of God is with man. Now you think it would be the other way around. We all want to go to heaven. Yeah. That's not what it says. It says God will come to us. 
He'll see, like the prodigal son, he sees him on the path. He doesn't right. wait for him to get to the house and then say, you know, son, here's the robe. He runs out runs and meets out. him on the road. Yeah. The dwelling of God is with man. And so it's that, that understanding of there are those kind of the four classical things we used to talk about was uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Uh, to understand that there's also that piece. In, in the same way the nativity, when the birth of Jesus happened, they also were kind of running for their lives because Herod's after them. Yeah. And so you have the flight to Egypt. And so while while they're celebrating the new birth, there's also that fear of, uh-oh, <laughs> like they're after us. Yeah. Well, and so you're having to contemplate both at the same time can be a little difficult for, for us to go from thinking about the joyous time of Christmas and the presents and the parties and yeah. you know all the music that's around us, which I, I think there's a value to some of it because like the Psalms of Ascent, climbing up to uh, Jerusalem, Psalms 120 to 134, where songs we sang in anticipation of what we're going to do when we get there. Right. So there's, there's a value to that, to singing some of those hymns and those beautiful things in anticipation of Christmas, right. but also having a time of preparing and keeping our minds focused on, you know, really, we, we say this prayer in Advent a bunch. Hasten, oh, as I started the program, hasten, O oh Lord, the coming of the kingdom. Meaning, Lord, would you hurry up and come? Because yeah. <laughs> we're ready for Please. you. Please. We're ready for you. Yeah. But are we? We are better we? be. So if we're not ready, do we want to say that prayer? Or uh, do we need to get ready so when we say that prayer, we mean it? Yeah. We mean that we are ready for him to hurry up and come. Uh, a good Advent book I like to talk about, I actually preached on this yesterday, was uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. Oh, yeah. Where he talks about, uh, William Blake had written a uh, poem about the great marriage of heaven and hell and how we all have the, the hellish side and the heavenly side of our own psyches and how we really just need to marry them together. And, and Lewis said, I disagree completely. We need to separate them, too. You know, it is a great divorce between heaven and hell, a great chasm where no man can abide, right. you know, as Johnny Cash said it was. Yeah. <laughs> the great prophet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there is that, that, that bit of there's nothing in between, really. So uh, so some of that is the thing of Advent. But I think also as you're trying to get a little more joyful to leading to Christmas, it's what is Christmas about? What are the gifts we give? How do we right. live that in, a, in, a, in an informed way? And so in our household, I grew up very poor, and so we, we didn't have a lot of things. Uh, we didn't have a lot of decorations. We didn't have a lot of these other things. Uh, so that's influenced me deeply on how I celebrate Advent. One of the big things we do even now for my children is we have uh, all that we've been given nativity sets galore in my lifetime of being a priest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the Anglican world to now has been 17 years. I've been given every form of uh, Advent uh, nativity scene you can imagine. So I have the everything right. from the, little, the pillars to the little, you know, the little cheap enamel ones to wood carved ones from the Holy Land people uh-huh. give me. I also have the Lego and the rubber ducky <laughs> nativity. Yeah. But we take all the baby Jesuses out of all of them. And the rest of the family makes their progression bit by bit, week by week. You know, uh, first week is just the shepherds and, and animals, but they're kind of making their way. They're not really all paying attention. Right. Second week, Joseph arrives, and he's preparing the place for Jesus to dwell. Then Mary arrives, the nativity scene, uh, the third Sunday of Advent, you know, the mothering Sunday, right. so she can you know, be there to prepare for the coming of Jesus you know, from her womb. And then you know, by the fourth Sunday, you know, the angels are appearing. Uh, <laughs> but under our tree, uh, the first box we open we open the box and it's all the baby Jesuses for all the oh, cool. all the nativity sets. Yeah. So in our household, the first gift of Christmas is the Lord. Jesus. And of course, then it's the malaise of opening all the other presents. But we right. don't do that until we first have placed Jesus in his manger all over the house. What a great tradition so to start. That's something we've done. Yeah. Um, and then, again, for my, me being kind of poor growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So my mother and I, because my parents were divorced, she would we'd each had $10. And so we'd right. spend 10 bucks. But it had to be a, me- a meaningful $10, you know, something that meant. You know, it was only ten bucks, but you had to find things that she knew. I knew she would love the most from a store. We used to go to a place called uh, an existing more used to be called Mac Frugals. It's now become I think Big Lots, 
Oh, wow, uh, yeah. But, you know, maybe, and that was 20 plus years ago. So now maybe this year it's 20 bucks, or maybe it's 30 bucks. I don't know what the n- modern number is, but where it's a small, it's a smaller price gift, but one that matters. Yeah. And you get that few things, but things that really deeply matter. So I think for families looking to, in the preparing, you're preparing to give. Right. But you're also preparing to give something that it means more than just spending the money. You know? Yeah. I think it's something. So that was, that's my advice on really making advents. Yeah. Place. Yesterday, my mom was, uh, she was over at the house and she said, Gordy, what should I give Stevie and Tanner? And I said, well, you know, what, what do you want to give them? You know, they, they don't really need anything. But she said, well, I'm thinking about giving them cash and maybe $40. You think that's enough? And I said, mom, if you give them a hug, these two guys are, they're awesome. They would enjoy that. So, or, or I would find things out of a thrift shop that I know my mother would love. It cost me a dollar, but you know, originally it was something really nice. Right. Uh, I found Wedgwood pieces for ninety nine cents that are wow. you know, if you bought them from Wedgwood, they'd be twenty five, forty, fifty dollars. But they're right. They're on a thrift store shelf. Right. So it's but it's taking the time to plan ahead. To and I have a drawer in my house where I keep all that stuff throughout the year. So if I find, I may find it in March, but it goes in the I call it the super secret stuff drawer. <laughs> Yeah. So the family knows not to go in there because they're going to spoil their birthday or Christmas or whatever. So Christmas Eve and Christmas Day for you as a married priest, mm. it's pretty rough. It's a full day, yeah. It's yeah. A full day. So we'll have three masses in the morning, then we'll have two that night, and then one the next morning. And uh, it's a big turnaround for us. Yeah. My first year in the ministry was uh, the first Christmas was uh, was fourth Advent as well. Yeah. So we had we had three masses in the morning, three at night. Wow. And then I had, as a new guy, I got the Christmas morning mass as well. So, which yeah. I actually love. I think that's a beautiful morning mass. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it, but it is, you know, it's part of being faithful. You do the thing. Right, right. Uh, I would encourage, though, if you, for the priest out there, you know, save your voice. You don't have to sing it full volume. For, <laughs> for the young things. priests out there, yeah. Yes, yeah. Save your voice uh, over the course of thing. You don't have to sing every verse of every hymn uh, to make it through all those masses. So well, and I want to mention Father Mark Lewis, your pastor, because he is just awesome. And I've been out there now for your fall bazaar. I was out there for the Scott Hahn uh, presentation or his talk, and you guys are just so hospitable. You and you know Father Lewis have, have been great to the Guadalupe Radio Network, and we're very thankful of that. So we want to continue that relationship and you know keep building that relationship because you know as we're out there, you know people see the GRN at Our Lady of the Atonement, and they're like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." and I didn't know you guys were going to be out here, you know, and I know Richard and Sean, they love going out there. So, but, uh, Johanna, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the school, the faculty. What are the, what are the kids getting out? We know what the kids are getting out of it with great SAT scores, but where do you find the faculty to grow these minds? Well, it takes intentionality. When Father speaks oh, like about word. how, um, he has to use his time well. And in fact, I would argue that the fact that he's a marrying priest, makes him so capable because intentionality is such a big deal. Right. So our Catholic culture and our classical education has to be laid out through intentionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to realize education is one of the top three priorities for families. Um, usually their faith and their family, and then education is the next key. Uh, particularly in this time, uh, what you find is uh, parents are learning more and more and more uh that other the outside world is speaking into their child and so parents have learned to understand uh to ask the question who's speaking into my child Mm -hmm. and when you look at education um schools are speaking into children six to eight hours every day so uh with our faculty uh we have to hire ones that first love our faith Um, All of them take an oath of fidelity, uh, including all of the administrative staff. Uh, We all take an oath of fidelity uh, within the first week of school. It's at 
at our mass, nice. at the school mass, which, uh, by the way, um, any of your radio listeners are welcome to attend. Uh, we have a mass every day at 8.20 a.m. You have to sit in the back because our academy takes up the full <laughs> the full spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, and we ask that you check in at the academy so right. that we can um, badge you in through proper security. Right. Um, but uh, the mentors uh, go anywhere from our coaches to our choir directors uh, to the math teachers to all the way in pre-K-4. They... Um, say prayer at the beginning of every subject, uh, which is part of who we are. We can't do well academically if we don't do well right. um, spiritually first. Your choir is fantastic. Yes, yes, that is. that is. They are uh, unbelievable. Yes. Our choir director, uh, Mr. Oliveros, he is actually a graduate of our academy ah. um, who uh, has come back to yeah. actually form these children. Um, and they're mentors. Uh, Education is more than just education. It's actually formation. And so when parents are trying to get into the best schools, uh, classical is a response to that. Uh, Classical is beyond college. It's actually forming them for life. So it's not teaching children what to think, but how to think. And that is laid out through the teachers, through our faculty, through our school leadership. And um, what brings that full circle is our wonderful families. Mm-hmm. Um, our families do a phenomenal job. The King's Fair that you attended yeah. um, last November, uh, the parents put that on. They do tremendous work. They did a great job. Yeah. And, and in fact, if it weren't for the families, uh, we, would, you, we wouldn't have a school yeah. if it weren't for families. And the nights were cooking. Yes, yes. Um, we, we actually... Uh, we don't have uh, subsidies. Um, public education gets the property tax funding from you don't, uh, right? We don't. Yeah. And <laughs> and and the thing is, the education system would not exist in America right. if it weren't for the Catholics. The right. Catholics started the schools and started the hospitals. And um, education is seen as a primary uh, need, and that is why even our government takes tax money because. We realize that even families who don't have children or children who are grown, they still need to help support educating children who are the future of our society. Well, Catholic education does not have that kind of subsidy. Uh, We uh, rely on people who are looking to support Catholic families. Uh, In fact, at our school and and with the teachers and the faculty, um, we have families who do a lot of sacrifice and send several of their children to our school. So we have, we, I would almost guess we have some of the biggest families in a Catholic school. I wouldn't doubt it. And (laughs) and we need help uh, because those parents are desperate to give their kids good education. Um, And we we, we truly, uh, that's why everything the teachers do, everything father does, uh, everything we do with the academics, it's based on the formation of the child so that not only do they go to college, but they go on to live full lives um, through virtue. You know, and that's a, that goes hand in hand. We we always tout support Catholic radio. We'll support Catholic schools too. Yes. You know, um, I think it's wonderful. But Father, I want to go back to you and, you know, talk a little bit about being a priest and an educator and your role over at Atonement and the Academy. Well, what is that like? 
It's a little bit of both. I, I'm yeah. a, I am a priest. I had, you know, I was already the chaplain to the school for years before I became the president of the school. Mm-hmm. But also, it is being an educator. I, I first started. I've always had a kind of a teaching bug. I guess probably from the days when I read the catechism for fun. You know. Wow. <laughs> but all, I was also an art student. Uh, my first job teaching in the Catholic Church was teaching at, when I was still an Anglican priest in a Catholic school as the pre-K through eighth grade art teacher. Oh, okay. And so learning how to, to live out the arts in the school. Uh, so I've I've gotten that bug, and I taught as I mentioned the deacon school in Atlanta. I taught the deacons how to read, how to do scripture, right? Um, and I'll I'll give you, you know, I give great thanks for the gift of radio. Really, uh, when I was younger, I grew up, you know, we were poor, we didn't have everything, so uh, the radio is free. <laughs> yeah, and most people can have access to a radio, right? Uh, but listening to things like uh, old radio theater, or how you know, people who had to be funny not just in person but with just their voice, right? So how do you communicate in that way? How do you teach the children to communicate in a way where if all they hear is your voice and your tone? And the timbre of your voice. How do they? How do they convey such profound right. things through such a, a, a weak vessel as my own voice? Uh, and so we have. It's helped shape me to be the better educator of those things. Uh, but that's where it comes from. I think it, it comes from. I would say this is a little technical to talk about it this way, but it's more of an inductive way of teaching. Uh, most preaching teaching these days is very deductive, as like your Sherlock Holmes. You arrived on the scene of the crime. Here's all the evidence. Now, how did we get here? And we back up. Right. Paul's letters kind of walk that way too. He has the at the end of the letter. He always has that exhortation. Now that we've heard this, let us go. So some preachers start there. You know, give the exhortation, back up, and then right. Paul shows you in the letter where he got there. And it's an easy way to preach, but it's also kind of boring. It doesn't really leave the person anywhere than where they found them. Right. Whereas inductive makes you experience it as the apostles experienced it. They didn't know these things were coming. Right. They had to to, to attend to it and, and, and to struggle with it. And to clear the things off the lot. Is he and saying go this? Through it, yeah. Is he saying this? No, but get it off the lot. Is he saying this? No, but get it off the lot. And sometimes some bad preaching is also that too. Jesus is not saying this. He's not saying this. He's not saying that. Don't believe that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're off. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you cleared a lot, but you didn't build a house. Right. You, so it's okay to clear the lot, but you got to build something in its place. Right. And so part of the, the classical model is, is getting into that heart of uh, what they would call logocentrism, which is Jesus is the logos, the, the word of God. Logos, yeah. He is the center of what we do. So that is through the daily mass, uh, through regular access to the to the chaplets, and to the rosary, and to stations of the cross, and the prayer life of the church while also being in school. But also teaching even in the mass, not just saying mass and getting through it as fast as possible, but also taking that moment to teach virtue, the virtue of this saint today. Uh, or history, there's a lot of history to be taught in the faith. Sure. Uh, there's a great things you can you can make that moment. You could take any moment and make a mundane moment extraordinary, if you'll let them dwell in it, live in it, but then live it themselves. Right, and then they go away not just with like what Johanna said, not just what to know, but not what to learn, but how to think. Right, how to process. How do how do I how do I live that way? They see it modeled, and so it's it's shepherding in a real sense of showing them. Here's how those who came before me inspired me. Uh, I always find that when you have good priests who, who have experienced this life, they also inspire good disciples which is why we also have good vocations coming out of our school. Sure. Uh, to the religious life, to the priesthood, uh, or just people taking up and living a Christian faith, being a, a good Catholic in their job where they are. Right. Yeah, it becomes kind of the ethos of who they are. In the same way you would say, like, you know, Aggies are more than just an, they didn't just go to a they're, they're an Aggie real estate director or whatever they are. Right. They, they, they live that out in a certain style. Uh, wouldn't it be great if our Catholic students got some Catholicism stuck to them when they left school. That would be nice. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> yeah. other people would stick to that because they, I, whatever you've got, I want it. Yeah. You seem to be happy. You seem to be joyful, but you also seem to work hard. How do you get that work ethic? How do I get that skill set? How do I? It's contagious. It is yeah. contagious. People want to live well. Your body encourages you to live well. Absolutely. So those are the gifts that we get when we 
so that as far as I go, I try to model what was given to me. And same way Paul says, I, I'm traditioning to you what was given to me. It's all over First Corinthians, right. especially First Corinthians 11. I'm, he wasn't there at the Last Supper. I'm traditioning, I'm giving to you the gift that was given to me. Right. These things that were given to me in my, in my pedagogy, in my teaching, in my upbringing, and I want to hand it off to those who come behind me. So I also teach things like leadership. I teach a lot of scripture. Uh, I teach a lot of uh, hagiography of the, the lives of the saints because I, f- I think that in that we learn not sure. only what to think and how to understand as a historical date. Nicaea happened in the year 325. But what happened in Nicaea? How was Don't the just memorize it. How was the church shaped and moved and how right. did the creed come about? And how, how did a confession develop from sure. the heart of that? How did it unify the church and bring us into a more common way of doing things? Yeah. These are all gifts. So besides theology, I mean, besides going to Mass every day, daily Mass, theology is incorporated within that day. Yes. So that they learn, you know, Scripture, like you were saying, Father, and learn about saints and learn about why we do what we do. Because right. being Catholic is hard. Well, one of the gifts we have at the Catholic schools is that we're able to talk about Jesus in the school. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's a gift that some of our friends that teach at these others, you know. You can't even mention that in some... You can't mention it without you know being fired or being reprimanded in a heavy mm-hmm. way or, or losing or not being able to get achieved positions or don't pray in the middle of the field because yeah you know so we don't have that fear yeah uh, we're able to unashamedly preach the gospel and talk about Jesus in the context of math in the context of science in the context right. of these things we used to call this is more of the ancient world things which is why we're more of a classical school classical uh, yeah. that theology was the queen of the sciences it was the top of them all it, it helped you understand everything below it. That sure. there, there's a hierarchy that led to this ultimate truth. And so we often focus on truth, beauty, and, and the, the rhythm of life, but not at the expense of the truth. The truth has to be first. Right. But the fact is that when you find truth, it is beautiful. It is a wonderful thing, and you want to pursue it. You right. want to enjoy that music. Right? You, you, do, you can't come to a, a, a mass or to a, a concert atonement and not go, okay, when's the next one? I want, <laughs> I want to be here when we do this the next time. Yeah. Because, yeah. There's, again, some of it rubs off on you because you think, wow, that was, that was more... The word I would use is transcendence. Transcendence means to climb over, mm-hmm. like the wall that's between us and God. And right. so there, there are tools that help us do that, which is knowledge, which is the elucidation of Scripture in that inductive way, mm-hmm. which is the music that helps us to elevate our minds and climb over that, you know, leave the world behind for a minute, right. and then enter into something deeper. So when you leave, you're different. You know, even right. I know some people often conflate them, the arrival of the Magi with Advent. You know, they're all in the same nativity scene, but that's not till right. Epiphany. Yeah. But when those men left, they left different. Than when they arrived, so uh, it is steeping ourselves not you know in the theology in the classroom. Uh, our four pillars that our bishop gives us, which elucidates our uh, our Catholic education, is sacred worship, which we're in mass every day. Uh, all the students attend it, even the ones who are not Catholic still attend it, and they still learn from that. They still mm-hmm. hear about the saints. Uh, sacred wisdom, which incorporates you know all the liberal arts things. Sure. Uh, what we would sometimes call the trivium, which was the it really means where the three roads meet. Uh, but it's it's more than just language arts, right? It's things like grammar, logic, and rhetoric. But another way of looking at that is recognition. I recognize, I recognize what you're talking about, whether it's math or science, or right? I recognize what it means, like a, appreciation. But then also comp- a comprehension. What does it mean? And I I've internalized that. Right. But then not leaving them there, but now into composition, which is the rhetoric. Now I can go and be the person who does. I can be sure. the next Mozart. I can be the next artist. We can be the next genius of the next generation or leader, right. whether or not they're a priest or, or religious, they can bring that life and be able to not just not see it, recognize it, but appreciate it and then create it. Right. You know, if all we ever do is appreciate things, the arts are going to die. Exactly. Music is going to die. 
Because all yeah. we're doing is playing covers of the old bands that we like. <laughs> we're not contributing anything. That we need to contribute. You know, right. I can, but I can do it my way. So right. that goes into sacred music, is the third pillar, and then sacred art. And not just the appreciation of it, but the, the, the composition of it. Sure. So when we do these things, uh, we really become more well-rounded individuals. We can teach. We can, we can understand. We can, and also, me being an art student, people are like, you know, how are you going to work that into your priesthood? Well, look at all the images Jesus gave us, the potter with the clay. Exactly. You know, it's uh, all about art. <laughs> it's all over Isaiah. You yeah. Know, which one of you <laughs> takes the block of wood, you carve away parts of it. This part, the, 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 the shrapnel, the, you know, the little pieces you carved off, that you cook your dinner with, and the other part you worship? Wow. What are you doing? You know, and so <laughs> he, he even uses the arts of, of, of idolatry right. to turn it around and teach them something better. And so that's where this comes in. You know, again, comprehension, uh, recognition, comprehension, then composition, where you're making something better out of it. Right. And, of course, we teach the other things, the, what they sometimes call the quadrivium, which is mathematics, geometry, music, uh, astronomy, but also, you know, a lot of other disciplines that they'll learn along the way. All those other yeah. classes, we want them to have the knowledge that they need to have. But yet they learn how to go deeper with it. And so that when they come to the testing, they're not preparing for the test. They, they already know how to think. Now they right. just learn how to apply what they've already learned. And right. it comes more naturally. It's so much more natural. There's a lot less stress. And I could see that because when I was out there for the Fall Bazaar, I mean, I got to meet a lot of your students, uh, got to listen to your choir, and they were so respectful. You know, I'm not used to be, I'm not used to be calling, uh, to be called sir, you know, but everything was yes, sir, no, sir. And I heard them, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and very helpful. You're creating well-rounded individuals over at the Atonement Academy and so I think that a lot of that is attributed to uh, not only, you know, because it's faith-driven, but because you've got the right people that are there. Yes. And uh, tell us a little bit more about that, um, about your about your staff. Yes. So uh, those of you who are— So for parents listening out there, like— Yes. And, and any teachers who have are looking for a second career, uh, please definitely apply. At the atonementacademy.org, okay. uh, or you can reach out to us on email as well. Uh, but yes, uh, we ha- have teachers who place doctrine over political agendas. We we know that students are empty cups that need to be filled, and right. if we're not filling them, they will fill them with social media, with mm-hmm. uh, friends who do not think along the lines of truth. Science, math, uh, high academics have to have the result of looking and answering with truth, which yeah. cannot be surpassed without having a Catholic education. Right. So our teachers do a wonderful job of that. Um, we have uh, doctors uh, who teach at our school, uh, PhDs. Um, we have teachers who are subject-level level experts. So we're looking for uh, teachers who understand how to take care of little ones. We have teachers who want to understand how to take care of middle school, and they have a gift for that. And right. then we have teachers who mentor and teach in the high school, um, all of which are intentionally hired. Uh, we're looking for more teachers always. Uh, our school uh, sure. receives a lot of inquiries. Um, again, if you're looking to apply and look for a good school, uh, theatonementacademy.org. Um, and if you want to apply, you can reach out on our website as well. Uh, or call the academy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, if you are applying, bring your A game because that's an A game place. And, you know, I was, I, I've been in sales pretty much ever since graduating St. Mary's University. And so we, we used to always practice our two minute pitch, elevator pitch, you know, this has been an hour pitch, (laughs) uh, one hour of, and, and if you're a parent out there, 
you know, looking for a school that's well-rounded, you just found it. And I don't see any reason why any parents should not be calling. Your phone should be ringing off the hook based on what y'all said. And they can't, well, if you're on Facebook, they can see me, they can see you, I'm switching cameras. But the glow in both of your faces when we start talking, when we start talking about atonement and the academy and the church just is incredible. Y'all are glowing. And I love it because it just shows the passion that you have for what you do as both, you know, vocations of priests and, and educators. And it's truly appreciated. So, you know, I'd, I'd encourage everybody to uh, look into the atonement. We probably have a minute left. And uh, Father, can you take us out in a prayer? Sure, absolutely. Right, in the name of the Father, Father Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, you've given us the great gift of education. You've given us minds to share in your divinity, to be made in your image and likeness. Assist us to guide others to the same light, that they may come to know the gift that you've poured into them and to receive it and to be a gift to others, that we may share this wonderful faith you've poured into us and tradition on to the generations after us, the wonderful things you've begun in our souls. We ask you to continue this work for all the listeners. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father John Jenkins. I want to thank you for coming into the studio. And Johanna Garcia, thank you for coming into the studio. I hope everybody at Atonement is listening right now and patting themselves on the back because they truly deserve it. And uh, I'm going to try to get out there this Saturday. And I want to remind everybody, it is it is the uh, Christmas pageant and chili cook-off, right? 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go into um, Our Lady of the Atonement.org. For more information, thank you, Father. Thank you, Johanna. Everybody out there, have a blessed week, and we will catch you next week. God bless every everyone. Bye-bye. Join us in praying in our Father for seminarians and all who are discerning their vocation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Do you need a will and keep putting it off? Do you need guidance on settling the estate of a loved one who's passed away? Gilson Law Firm is a faith-centered team of legal professionals who can help you navigate the probate process and put your final affairs in order. I'm attorney Sim Gilson. When we meet, we'll talk about Catholic health directives and charitable giving, about faith and family. To learn more about our team, visit tricountylawyer.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network has a position open for an event coordinator. This position will be located in San Antonio, Texas. The GRN event coordinator has the goal to organize unforgettable events that are in line with the mission of the Guadalupe Radio Network's efforts of evangelization. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate dedicated to the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. We are dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. The GRN offers a competitive salary and an amazing benefits package. If you are an active, faithful Catholic and would like to explore a career with the Guadalupe Radio Network, submit your resume and a cover letter as to why you want to come work for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Send to careers at grnonline.com. Again, 
That's careers at grnonline.com. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is 89.7 FM KJMA Radio, Floresville, San Antonio. Also online at grnonline.com. We don't mess with the truth. Hear it. Love it. Live it. 